everybody. It's The Setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. Uh, this is our second episode. We now have a title. That's right. Our title is The Setup. I'm not gonna, I just took a sip of this. I, I, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a bad habit during a podcast <laughs> is to be drinking Diet You've Coke. been known to, to drink a lot during performances. Yeah, that's right. That did happen. <laughs> that I, uh, happened once, I think. That, yeah, I was told once, like, you drink way too much water. Yeah. And, I, he, and he was correct. That was a good note. It was like... The bench traders out there. Good note. It was like, uh... The audience is getting a little worried. <laughs> You're drinking so much water. You weren't in that show, though. You didn't watch No, I just happen. heard that. Uh, I heard the, the like, uh, for this show, maybe don't drink so much water. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I like the aesthetic of, like, having a bottle, like, a cool glass bottle of water and a glass next to me. Yeah. It's a very ornate-looking glass. You, um, I drink lots of water. Uh, you also uh, really love that one Marco Rubio speech where he drank all the water. Yeah. Yeah, leader of our country. Yeah. Do you did you ever get tempted by the? There's very fancy uh, water bottle filters now. Have you? There's one that's like a very triangular flask, like that looks better than a Brita. Is my point? No, I, that I'll sh- I'll I'll send you one. Okay, but uh, <laughs> welcome to the setup. Welcome to the setup. That's this- right. So we do have a name now. Yeah, it was not one of the names we discussed last week. No, we. But we found a term that applies to both fields. Right. You had texted me the night we recorded, actually, yeah. and said that uh, an improv friend of yours, who came up with the setup? I came up with the setup. The oh. other suggestion... The other suggestions were Riff. Uh, that was also mine. Okay. And then, uh, but no, but the other one that I thought was kind of funny, that now I can't remember what it was. I'm going to pull... You, I mean... You go also, ahead and talk. I'm going I'm to try to Laughs and gaffs was another Laughs one. and gaffs. That was la- that's, those that, are the three you texted me that night. Laughs and gaffs. No, no, no. There's a, there's a better one that, uh, if you look in your text. Did you text me about those? Laughs and gaffs is a, is a one that I think would be too hard to explain to people. The punchline, no. Um, <laughs> the punchline. So yeah, you look it up. We're in episode two. Run up. Welcome to episode two. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for... We got good feedback from the first one. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to cash in all those dollars. Absolutely. That people are still have not, has anyone given you a dollar? No, not even, no, not anyone. (laughs) And I keep asking, but we're we're heading for early retirement, baby. Well, that sweet podcast money. Uh, my, uh, my frustration with magic increased yesterday. Exciting. Tell me about that. I spent a lovely, uh, afternoon with Taylor Hughes. Okay. Who I think listened to. That's right. You did, you did, you did Taylor Hughes's podcast about about to break, break, which which for me is really maybe the ultimate betrayal of this podcast that (laughs) you would talk about magic on another podcast. Not only that. Pretty uh, fucking disgusting. Actually. He actually recorded it right where you're sitting. (laughs) How dare you? Uh, but he showed me a cutting to the aces trick that requires a Pharaoh at the beginning and we're gonna bleep that out yeah oh yeah that's right <laughs> uh, but this is, you have to do a pharaoh shuffle we have so to bleep, bleep out that it even uses cards yeah um you have to do a pharaoh shuffle and as soon as he started doing that oh it's because i was showing him these copag cards that i have okay. that's oh, why you gave me a pack of those right? yes yeah. which uh, apparently are um like good to handle but actually apparently don't pharaoh that well um sure and i mentioned that and he was like oh that runs through this trick and i w- immediately started saying how like a pharaoh shuffle is something that I kind of think is sort of beyond my like capabilities. Like it just seems hard and like also why that one takes a while. That's also one of those moves where with some exceptions, it's, I feel like one of those moves that a lot of people just kind of learn just by sitting there and doing it. Yes. So there's not tons of consistency on exactly how it should be done. Yes. Even a, a brief uh, search into like magic cafe showed like, six different people saying like immediately disagreeing on how to do it sure um and then a guy saying like i deserve all the credit for everyone's fair shovels oh. cool <laughs> uh 
So, but then he showed me a trick with it and I was like, oh, that was cool. And then it got in my head and I was like, well, I guess I'm learning it now. Right. So I'm now trying to learn a fair shuffle. But I distinctly remember when I learned to do a pharaoh shuffle, oddly enough, for a similar trick to the one that you're learning a pharaoh uh-huh. shuffle for, I, I was told just to like look it up and like find it on YouTube because the person showing me the trick couldn't show me how to do a pharaoh shuffle because it's kind of hard to explain right. how to do it. So I remember just sitting and just trying to practice cutting exactly 26 cards and exactly you know, pharaohing them perfectly together. Yeah. And now I can just sort of better at it. Uh, I ended up uh, buying Michael Close's ebook on how to do the fair shuffle. And the re- main reason I did that was uh, in a lot of these uh, things I'm trying to learn, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing a totally wrong thing. Right. So, for example, I was like pushing them in pretty hard <laughs> when I was trying to do it. Like, and most everybody you read is like, you don't have to push that hard. There's a, uh, I think this is a Di Vernon quote. This might not be. If any listeners are angry that this is not a Di Vernon quote, I'm sorry. His Di Vernon quote was like, the moon landing never happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the Di Vernon quote is something along the lines of, uh, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And so it's like, if you're practicing something wrong, hmm. you will, th- that'll be the, the way you learn it, and that'll be the habit that you learn, and then you'll have to break that habit later. Yeah, that makes sense. That's also what he said before he opened the Di Vernon hair salon chain. <laughs> right. Because they specialize in perms, yeah. so like practice makes permanence <laughs> for ladies in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, that was his side business. Yeah, it was magic silhouette cutting hairstyle. Did he cut silhouettes? Oh yeah, he was like an expert. So you can find um, his silhouettes in one of his uh, in the front of one of his, of his books, and he was like an incredible silhouette cutter oh. in the um, in the uh, early coincidentally. 20th one of the other entertainers at my wedding earlier this year yes. was a silhouette artist. Right. Which has to be an incredible gig to do at a wedding. Because I'm walking from table to table yelling over your DJ, yeah. throwing out my voice, and she's just sitting in a corner. People are walking up to her, cutting out some shapes, goes home with however much you paid her. That's... And they're walking away with like a magical memento. Right. Um, yeah. She was great. Did you get a silhouette made? I did not. I was busy. Um, <laughs> had you walked over and I was like, I'd take a break with the silhouette. Wouldn't you have been a little pissed off? <laughs> Maybe. Um, that does piss me off. I, I, anytime I've done a couple gigs with other magicians, this, if you're a magician, don't do this if you're a magician. This would be like if I had hired um, two right. or three. And two or three magicians to walk around. There's a gig I did about six months ago, and a magician was there who I knew kind of well. I hadn't seen him in a while. And every 20 minutes, we were supposed to be like, there for like two hours and every 20 minutes or so he would just walk up to me and start like chatting and i was like dude i'm fucking working right now uh-huh. like leave me alone <laughs> and i'll like try to like go you know if if you're booked for a gig be do your gig yeah that you know that's very important i mean that's what that you, shouldn't i shouldn't have to say that that's what you get for doing a gig with joshua J. <laughs> constantly coming over being like you know the website's going really well you know, we, we're adding some products. The moment you said the name, my butthole tightened up. So I'm like, <laughs> I really don't need anyone. Thinking. I love this. I love how. If, uh, if you don't know me that well, it's very important to to, to establish that I am uh, not anywhere near doing any gigs with Joshua J. I've never met Joshua J. <laughs> that was clearly a joke. I've met Joshua J. He, uh, whenever I order Stole something, my watch. no, when I order something, he. There's a little video that says, hey, me and Andy are so glad you ordered from our website. Vanishing Inc. does is like a delightful company to order through. Yeah. They're, yeah, they, they, they have these very nice messages, and um, their customer service there is incredible. Um, this podcast brought to you by Vanishing but Inc. But Joshua J's a fucking asshole to do a gig with. <laughs> 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 fucking hell. He knows I'm kidding. Um, 
Is it penguin that when you order, sometimes you get a video of them packing it? Have you ever gotten one of those? I don't order from... Uh, no, I, <laughs> that's not my experience. Uh, I, when I have ordered from Penguin, you get a little video that's like, this is us like literally packing your box. It's actually really fun. That's fun. Um, I don't know why. It makes it feel very personal. Before we get too deep into talking shit about other magicians I've never met, yeah. Um, the other title you came up with, or your husband came up with, uh, unless you want to take credit for this one as well, was instead of Jocus Pocus, you he oh. flipped them and it was Hocus Jocus, Hocus which would Jocus. solve the pronunciation issues of how to spell yes. uh, Jocus. For doesn't Jocus solve Pocus. the spelling issue, but... but it's sure, but less, it makes it more intuitive on how to pronounce yes. it when you get to that for second sure. word. Because my issue with Jocus Pocus was like, if it was like J-O-K, yeah. no one would know how to pronounce it until they read Pocus, yeah. and then you have to read it twice. What was the other one, though? The only ones you texted me were the setup, Hocus Jocus... Riff and Slide of Ham. Oh, Slide of, Slide Ham. of Ham was the one. Some uh, an improv Ham, friend. Right. Who was that? Uh, Rachel, uh, Bitney, I believe. Okay, who's who gave it to it? from uh, a group that I'm in called the Scene. Got. Um, well, wait, Rachel Bitney Weiss. <laughs> I have yeah, to. she sounds like a friend. Yeah, close friend. No, <laughs> no, Wecked. I'm sorry, Rachel Bitney. It's it's one of those things when people have. Um, Sometimes people have Facebook names that are not necessarily aligned with oh, how yeah. I've talked to them before. If, if I that that is the thing I've noticed is that over the years, many of my Facebook friends, for professional reasons, have changed their last names on Facebook. Yes. Just know if you change your last name on Facebook and we don't talk on a weekly basis, I have forgotten what your real last name was. Yeah. Just also, apparently, a lot of my friends on Facebook apparently their parents gave them the middle name Equality, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> which is just great that it all happened at a certain time. Uh, You're gonna have to take the diet coke away from me. I keep, going back. I keep going back for. Sips. I do have a lot of friends who have changed their names literally because they just got too popular. Like, right? They be- we you, we get it. You're friends with celebrities. Yeah, uh, and I might be at one point. Maybe I'll change my name. Soon. Yeah, and that's part of it. You change your name now, and people think you're a celebrity. You just got to fake it till you make it. That's right. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, I'm learning the fair shuffle. Right. That's what we were talking about. Now let's talk about magic. <laughs> Uh, is there a skill that you don't, a technical skill that you don't have that you're like, I should really get that down? Uh, as far as the move? Yeah. Yeah. I would say I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I want to get better at a really good push through shuffle. Push through shuffle. Push through, push through shuffle. Yeah. I think it's one of the most authentic looking false shuffles. Ah. More so than a zero. Zero. Yeah. Not that a zero is particularly bad, but I think a push through is closer to... Uh, the way zeros end up manifesting themselves, it doesn't really. That's not how it looks when you actually shuffle cards. The way your hands brush, bring the cards back together, mm-hmm. and not that it's a bad shuffle. It's still very effective. But I think coming using a shuffle that more authentically captures what it actually looks like to really shuffle and complete a, a deck of cards, yeah, is you know probably the direction. Um, I think in. before the castle run, you showed me like a false riffle shuffle um, that. And it was interesting because I remember when I watch your act. Let's see yeah, it I'm demonstrated. Gonna, yeah, this is what's great about this podcast. Right, you can, gonna, just, you can just fully yeah. expose this and. Uh huh. Are you talking about that? Yes. Okay. What's that called? Um, I believe that's called the truffle shuffle. Truffle shuffle. I believe that's a Derek Delgado shuffle. Truffle shuffle is from Goonies. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. I just showed him I don't a clip think from the movie The Goonies. He is what just, I just did. lifted his shirt <laughs> yeah. and undulated his stomach. And <laughs> right. I was like, I guess those cards are shuffled. Wait, why did they make that noise? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I remember when you showed me that, I did kind of think like, oh, I haven't really been aware of your shuffles in this act the whole time. Like, uh, like, sure, throw it in. 
but I was, I've never been that conscious of you. I've never, there weren't that many times in the set at the castle that I was like, Oh good. He shuffled it. Now I know this next thing is whatever. It might just be that my eyes start to kind of, I, I kind of glaze over all shuffles, like maybe in sure. card acts now, because I'm just kind of like, I'm, I don't, what I'm saying is I don't necessarily need to see them, but right. maybe our layperson does. Yeah. Especially for certain kinds of magic. I think making sure the deck is, or looks very shuffled yeah. is very important. Yeah. But you also don't want to go, Hey everyone, look, look at me shuffle these cards. <laughs> Boy, are those mixed up? Cause then it, you're, you know, the expression <laughs> I believe is don't run when you're not being chased. Boy, are those mixed up. Boy, are I, those, I, no, I think you should boy, howdy, are those cards mixed up? Um, so That's, what, uh, but you don't perceive push through shovel as being like a tough thing for you to learn. I think I just again I I will I've kind of been practicing it just on how it I've seen them done and kind of how it looks, and I think I'll just get further faster if I just sit down at the library and right find a, a, a good one. Oh, but, that by the way, that's I I was saying um, that one audition to get in the castle. That's another reason I want to get in the castle is just to go to the library. The library, yeah, it's a great, it's an incredible resource. There's many times where I'll be reading something. And it'll reference another book. Yeah, I've actually been reading things lately where they're like, they won't even explain it. Yeah, They'll just be like, just use the thing from Marlowe's whatever. Right. Dennis Bear, um, in his three books, Handcrafted Card Magic Volumes 1 through 3, which are incredible, does a lot of that where it just has footnotes at the bottom referencing you to the book and page even. Yeah. So I'll just write those down and take them to the library. Oh, cool. Which is uh, great. That's awesome. Which is a great, great resource. Um, it's a pretty incredible resource. There's not a whole lot like it elsewhere in the world, uh, at least where you can just go and there's this incredible magic yeah. library there for you. The Magic Circle has one that I got to take a look at, which was really amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah, they have a, a library about the same size. I only spent a minute in there, but it was certainly comparable in size. Cool. I couldn't um, tell if it was bigger or smaller, but... So, you all, we, were before, we were talking about before we recorded about writing jokes... Oh yeah, and I was like, "Oh, we should just talk about this." Let's do it. Let's talk here. about jokes because um, I this might lead to my very angry soapbox about jokes and magic. Didn't we have that last time? I, a little <laughs> bit, but I. But there's more soap in that box. <laughs> there's plenty of soap to go around. Um, so, because you were saying you don't necessarily know how to write a joke, right? Most of my comedy has always been through. Uh, I don't know how exactly you would describe it, but it's just sort of authentic interactions with with audiences. And I think I'm very comfortable interacting with an audience or yeah. interacting with people. Right. So it's a lot of very specific comments about the situation that's happening, yeah. which sometimes also then come about with what's happening. Right. Whereas writing like a joke with a quote setup and punchline. Yeah. I, that, that is a format that I've never really practiced because it's not the kind of magic I do or the kind of jokes I do during my magic. Yeah. And what I would say that generally that's, that applies to most magic. Really. People aren't standing there with, you know, set up punchline jokes like you'd see in a stand-up show. They're, yeah. they're, it's all very situational to the act they're doing. Yeah, uh, and it's often like in reaction to... Okay, I'm putting this Diet Coke away. I keep taking <laughs> sips. If, if, if you heard me sipping from this Diet Coke, I apologize. It's going away right now. That Diet Coke has Splenda, by the way, not regular. Oh, and I can I Did can you notice? It. I did, I noticed. Positive or negative? Uh, it's just not what Diet Coke is to me. Put it you this know way, what I mean? Put it this way. My husband, Eric, loves Diet Coke. Yeah. I bought a 12-pack of that. This is a Diet Coke family. Yes, I bought a 12-pack of that particular Diet Coke with Splenda about two months ago. And now you're getting divorced. At the, at, well, just as an experiment to be like, S what do you think? And the 12-pack has lasted that long because he did not like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't think joke writing is as formulaic as as 
people sometimes say it is, but there is a general thought uh, for like a stand-up style joke, which is often true, um, which is that you think about the setup sort of being something that is actually true and doesn't necessarily have to be super funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then connecting it to something, connect somehow connecting that to a punchline that is funny that builds off of that in some way. Right. So one thing I would say for magicians uh, or comedians, but like if people actually want to write jokes, which is not a bad thing that even if you never become a standup, it probably would help you to practice writing jokes for people that want to put them into their scripts. But uh, something I did for almost six months was I put a, a not, I started a Tumblr that nobody saw that was every day I wrote five monologue style jokes. Oh, cool. So um, I took a class from a daily show writer, like back in the day mm-hmm. in, in New York. And they were sort of like, he, he was like, surprisingly, we use USA Today a lot to get like our premises for things because USA Today is kind of like a generic enough newspaper that it's sort of sort of like right down the middle and not really, it, it's so just kind of bland, mm-hmm. but also they write stories about pretty big topics that people would know. Right. Um, so to like take USA Today storylines uh, and just like say the first beginning of it is something true. Just like, I don't know, the US Today increase sanctions on Bolivia because whatever. And then to somehow connect that to an elaboration or whatever. But people get stuck sometimes in the setups and the premise thinking that that needs to be what's funny about it. Oh, I see. Um, so that can be a way to like think of the structure sometimes. It's just, it's to, and for like more personal jokes, to think about something that genuinely, that you genuinely have an emotion about um, and just say something true about it, you know? So... I don't know, something that genuinely pisses you off about the world. Right. Uh, which I'm sure nothing does. No, I'm pretty happy with how <laughs> things are. Everything's pretty good from where I'm sitting. Um, I mean, I would, uh, if we had a joke to work with that was an example, we could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Um, uh, oh, let me think about one that I thought about recently that I, I haven't written out, which is like, I was thinking about how um, sometimes you think about like, with racism, that a lot of like, uh, like very conservative viewpoints are held by older people. Right. And so I've often, often thought about like, well, you just need to wait till they die. <laughs> wait for the racists to die. Uh, which is what I thought. But now I realize like they're still making new ones. <laughs> so, but I don't quite know what, but that's just like my, my general thought about it. Right. Like, you know, I don't know. I think there should be more than that <laughs> in the joke. All right. But like, if I was writing the setup, I might just be like, I find it frustrating that um, I was hoping that like old conservatives would die off, but there's still new ones everywhere. Right. And then I would probably try to think about like, it, it, like if I want to go metaphorical, I would think about like, it's like when, I don't know, maybe I would think about weeds or I try to find some, some, metaphor to attach it to mm-hmm. and then take it too far. I, my personal thing that I do a lot in improv and standup is I'll take a metaphor um, and like then undo it. Uh, let's see if I can remember this joke that I used to have. That was like, uh, uh, I, Oh, like I went to this restaurant and um, I ordered like a bunch of McNuggets and the guy gave me, 
the McNuggets. And uh, he gave, he also gave me salad with it. And I was like, I resented the fact that I he gave me the salad with it because it like implied that I was supposed to be healthy along with the McNuggets. Right. And so I was like, you know, it'd be like if I went to buy porn and the guy gave me porn and then also included like a side of salad with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'll, I and I'm not saying that's good, but I, there's an instinct in me to always like build up a metaphor and then just completely wreck it. Right. So. But you and I also talk, bond often over those weird anti-not like jokes. Yes, but, I, mean, I I love a lot of anti-comedy stuff actually. Right. Um, but I think for in terms of joke structure, there's a lot of the not all of it has to be funny actually. Right. Like it's there's a there's a way to think about like UCB style improv, which is like they encourage the beginnings of the scenes to be grounded because if the, if it doesn't start grounded, then it doesn't have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. If the first couple of things are like funny and crazy, then you, it's not, you don't, you're, you've gone zero to 10, like immediately and there's nowhere to go. So, so you can think about joke structure that way too. Like you can think about the first part being kind of true and relatable and then trying to expand upon it. And then also, and I think this does apply to magic is to sometimes think about if you say, if you assert something, what would a person say in response to you? Like, what would be the argument back to you? And like, what would be your, you know, response to that? Right. I think that's where a lot of magic comedy comes from. Because something will happen and they'll be like, you know, I know what you're thinking, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, you drop something on the floor and you're like, that's the floor show. God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> your eyes rolled back into to time. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely. St- that's something. Uh, if, if we're going there, let's go there. Stock jokes. Stock um, jokes. Please. Please stop doing stock jokes. Mm-hmm. I'm not you specifically, just everyone listening to this and you. Do you do stock jokes? Stop yeah. doing them, Chris. I mean, look, my wife is so <laughs> such a miser. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I think um, any time there's nothing that turns me off a performance quicker than a boxed, like an old joke that a lot of magicians use. Yeah, and for some reason we still accept that as very acceptable in magic, and I just think that's terrible do some of these come with the routines some of them do and that drives me insane right uh so if i buy a like a routine if you buy like there's a every website will usually have a quote comedy magic section and you click on that section section it's all these funny magic routines which have jokes built into them and there are certain routines that the magic is built off of jokes that you can buy. And of course that joke is going to be part of that. Right. That are very famous tricks. My, what my, the, the one that comes to mind a lot and I just don't like it anymore. I've, I've seen it too many times. I've seen it the exact same way. And I think the only changes I've seen done to it are very minor. And I don't think really are that creative is the uh, banana bandana trick. Have you ever seen this trick? No, I've heard about this. I've heard this mentioned so many times on other podcasts and I've heard it mentioned as like, oh, I wish some people would stop doing banana bandana. Okay, well, I hate to be you adding to that. that no, what yeah, is it? No, so the banana bandana trick is you it's you, you talk, you whatever bullshit excuse you have to play a recording that's going to teach you a magic trick. I just got this new trick uh, out what, of the yeah. box. Um, I'm just going to put in the instructions. We're going to learn it together. Sound good? You, you guys want to learn a magic trick? And then, yeah, right? Something like that. And then the recording goes... Uh, all right, inside your kit, and it's like this Siri-esque voice. Inside of this kit, you should have a, you know, a, a blue handkerchief and a yellow bandana. 
and he reaches into the magician reaches into the box and pulls out a banana instead. Uh-huh. Instant laugh. And then you have this, what you're basically the idea, the trick as this woman's describing it on this recording, mm-hmm. uh, the instructional voice on this recording is that you're going to take that blue handkerchief and kind of fold it up with its corners into a little bag. And you're going to take the bandana, fold that up, put it inside the bag. Uh-huh. But actually you palmed it out in your other hand and then you pretend to drop those corners and then the bandana is gone so what the comedy comes through is, is it tells you like how to palm something and you're trying to palm this big imposing banana uh-huh. and then it says to palm it well you fold the bandana bandana in half and then of course the magician folds it in half and you know bananas are squirting out and then they fold it again and again it's just this disgusting you know goopy mess uh-huh. and they're, they're trying to palm it and it's bananas dripping and everyone's laughing and then it says put it inside the f- corners of the handkerchief you just folded up and of course, following the instructions, the magician puts it inside that little thing and, you know, gets it all off their hands into this little makeshift bag they made out of this handkerchief. And it goes, now, remember, palming? Like, we palmed that bandana out. And of course, the magician now feels like an idiot because they just put this actual banana into this thing when mm-hmm. they were supposed to, quote, like, palm it and pretend to put it in this handkerchief. Mm-hmm. And then it says, the instructions say to drop the corners of the handkerchief, show that it's gone, and accept your applause. Then the magician does just that. Even though they did really just put that banana in there, they drop the, the corners and the, and the, the, ban- the banana yeah. has disappeared. That's, uh-huh. that's the trick. Here's why I hate this trick. One is, there's two elements to this trick. There's the trick itself, and there's all the comedy that surrounds it. Uh-huh. A big thing for me recently, the last year, year and a half, when I've been watching magic, is asking myself why I need to watch... <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> right. Well, well, but kind of, yes. I, I Basically, anytime I see a performer, because magic is a medium that does not require original material to put on a competent and even impressive show, I ask myself when I watch a show why I need to watch that performer do it. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going to buy a trick that is a very good trick and put it on, I ask, like, why... Why Why does it have to be you doing exactly what's happening and not another performer? Mm-hmm. And this trick, I think, does not give an answer. For most performers, doesn't give an answer to that. In that, you buy this trick. So every beat of the magic is It comes is there. with the recording? It comes with a recording, usually. Or you Do can, people use the same recording? Um, I, There are different versions of it. I think you can make your own recording. And uh. I've heard... Well, there's this... I. You maybe have a better term for this. I have this term that in my head that I call level one creativity. To me, level one creativity is when someone makes a change to something, but it's an incredibly minor change, and they yeah. think they're being like, for instance, <clears throat> instead of doing the you know putting in a CD or whatever, you know Siri, teach me a magic trick, and now it's a Siri recording instead of a CD recording, right, right. and then those little you know snappy. Well, my my change would be would be to play it off an MP3 player. Oh, instead actually, of a CD. That's player. actually quite good. That's actually quite good. <laughs> but. So, so I, I basically, anytime I watch the show, I go, if you're not doing completely original material, which is fine to an extent, why do I need to watch you standing here doing that? Yeah. What, what am I gaining from you doing this right. versus someone else? And of course, that's the whole draw of live theater. The second I'm question here, is, where are my truffle fries? Right. <laughs> like, um, do you, are they going to give them to me in the parlor or? Right. You have to, yeah, you can't, can't bring them in. No, yeah. no. You can eat them in line. You can eat them in line. And, if I put all the truffle fries into my drink. Yeah. They would let me bring him in. Probably. <laughs> in fact, we start. Let's try that. Let's yeah. try that next time we go to the castle together. Have you seen the banana bandana at the castle? Many times. What? Dozens of times over years. Oh, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, many, many times for brunch shows, for for full shows, and 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 people brunch, make is brunch show a kids show? Yes. Uh, that the, makes a little more sense. It does. But but back to my issue with this trick. Oh yes, is that 
you're buying the, every bead of the trick. You know, you pull out a bana- uh, banana, you fold it up, it goes in the thing and disappears. That's the trick. So already you're doing a trick that everyone I've seen do this. Maybe one, whoever came up with it, that's their excuse. But everyone else, no one came up with this. You're already not doing anything original. You're not adding anything original to the trick. And second, you're not really talking during this routine. All of the humor is coming from what you're doing versus what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So you haven't paid, you haven't done anything to make the trick your own. And all of the thing that people are, everything that the people in the audience are laughing at mm-hmm. also was bought with that trick. The recording, the props, the idea, the setup, the jokes themselves. Mm-hmm. So I watch that and I go, why are you Why are you even on stage? It's a recording and a banana doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. By the way, I, th- I do think it's rude for you to stand up and say that in yeah. these acts. Well, but- until someone tells me to stop, <laughs> I, I'll stand up and go, boo! <laughs> why are you, why am I watching you? But I, it's like you, you know, that trick specifically, it's like you, what are you contributing to this? And mm. I think a lot of people have answers that I don't think totally. They're like, it's a plantain. Not a <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually have a good idea for this, though. Uh, please. Which is. Uh, TM, Chris, and John, though. No one else yeah, can do this. No, uh, I, what, I think that uh, this is what I would love to do. You do the banana, banana. You do the front part. I am backstage. There's a little camera so I can see the audience. And I'm doing the voiceover. But at a certain point, it starts to talk about like audience members. Like it goes way further than it should. That could be funny. You know, like the now give the banana to the lady with the blue dress in the front or whatever. And like it just becomes and maybe the uh, voice becomes like a authoritative. Uh, right. Like portal style. And and those are usually the only kind of variations I do see is yeah. is the way that the magician will interact with the recording. Mm-hmm. In some ways, sometimes it's a little you know meaner to the magician or yeah. or you know calls them a dork or, or something along those lines. But that trick, I'm I'm so tired of seeing for exactly that reason. You, there's really a hundred percent of the trick and a hundred percent of why that works on the audience really has next to nothing to do with the magician other than perhaps the way they're reacting on stage yeah. and the physical comedy they might be adding. But that's, that is still a stretch. For what me. about this? You start the recording and then you just do like your regular act while the recording is playing. <laughs> yeah. I just do a different, I do a card trick. You don't like acknowledge. The I'm just yelling over it. Shuffle these please. I mean, I actually think that there's certain contexts, like, I bet if you did, like, a small one-off performance at, like, Magic Live that was just you you starting that recording and then just doing a completely different act, that would kill for certain audiences. Right. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my other suggestion is just do the actual bandana trick <laughs> without recording. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be another good one at a convention. It's just to just do come the- out and just do a yellow bandana and do it blue. Like, right. Pretty amazing. And then when it's like, remember, we did palm that out. It's not actually in the bag. You're like, yep, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's in here. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. TM, Chris, and John. Yeah. Don't don't steal that. I'll know. We'll I'm basically know. good at like reacting to other tricks. Just be right, which I think is very important. And I think, <laughs> but yeah, so that is a, that is one of the big examples. But again, that's, that's something you could find on a comedy magic section of a website where it's like Who, you buy... Who uh, created that? Because no I actually do no think idea. it sounds pretty funny like if I, that was the first time I ever saw it. Yeah, I don't... I've heard some people complain about the content of the trick. Um, a complaint Too I've explicit. heard is... Right. 
uh, too phallic. But the, the or just the, the concept of like the magician kind of looks like an idiot, and you know, is sort well, of also not it's a little bit of exposure, isn't it? If you're talking about palming and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think palming is. I I, I think one of those terms is kind of publicly broken through, so I think it's okay to at least talk about in general terms. Yeah, and certainly th- it doesn't. No recording I've ever heard has ever actually gone into the specifics on how palming works. Just like fold it up, pretend your hand isn't holding something. Right. All right. And then, of course, you're holding this, you know, banana that's squeezing out from all your fingers. Yeah. And looks ridiculous. But yeah, there's these lines that just show up in dozens of magic shows over years. And the moment I hear one, boy, I'm out as quick as you can be. Yeah. Um, the the ones that come to mind and a lot of my close friends have heard me complain about these and uh yeah what's like a gallery of the the hits okay the the hits for me i already said floor show right floor show that's when you drop something and oh this is my floor show uh for me the one that i think about the most that keeps me up at night because this one pisses me off because i've (laughs) seen you up it really does i think about it all the time because i see a lot of good perform a lot of performers i respect still do this joke and Mm -hmm. i see them do this and i go come on you're so much better than that and that is when they're doing the invisible deck the invisible anyone who knows everyone listening to this knows exactly what the joke is i'm gonna say it anyway the joke is uh oh have we not talked about this i don't think so oh my gosh that's you, because I've also you must heard, just not be listening to me. I've also heard, I've definitely I've also you. heard scorn at even the idea of doing invisible deck tricks for like professionals. Sure, but I I, I mean I think it's very like cool. I said. I mean it's you know it, it's a pretty classic trick. Um, it is. It's an incredible. It's an incredible illusion. If when 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 done well, it really still gets a good reaction, yeah. which is surprising given how that is maybe the number one like trick deck that people can go out and buy. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was eight years old, that was what I would buy at Disneyland. That would be the number one thing because it takes no skill, no sleight of hand, really. Right. And it's a very easy thing. And it's a very powerful effect for beginners. So I'm pretty impressed that that trick still has as much use as it does, given how it's kind of the trick. I would say, before you say this great joke that I'm about to hear, yeah. uh, as a relative beginner, I think the invisible deck is actually very cool because it points at like the possibilities it opens up possibilities in terms of creating other things where you're just like oh i didn't realize that this was the thing this is a way that you could solve problems the way that it does like, what do you mean the if the method behind it is right. is like oh that's neat i never even perceived that that kind of thing was a thing right so for me when i saw it i was like oh i wonder like there must be other permutations of this kind of thing oh, and sure. there are there like oh, other variations and you and i have talked of many yeah in fact i even just gave you the tool needed to yes to make such a and a, one of them you had kind of independently come up with and didn't know the name of the popeye pop right that's right <laughs> i came up i come up with an idea the granted I, I don't think what i came up with was that revolutionary i certainly yeah. was going to be like wow you'll never guess what i came up with i yeah, just didn't yeah. know it had a name and it existed yeah um but there's an andy nyman trick that i i edited to my own um, my own devices yeah and using... you you put the you re- recorded the voiceover yourself. yeah oh my god it's so much funnier that way <laughs> it's so much funnier. well it's not british anymore right so but no it's british oh. it goes, <laughs> top of the morning governor that's yeah all right governor get your get your tricks out yeah i have to say governor uh, at the beginning of every sentence to get into it you know one of those like park the car in harvard yard things but Any... the joke so the j- joke of the invisible deck joke is those of you that don't know, and I don't know how you'd be listening to this and not know, but invisible deck is you give someone a quote invisible deck of cards. They pretend to shuffle it. They reach in. They pull out a card, turn it uh, upside down so that it's going face up into a face down deck invisibly, give them back to you, and then you 
make a deck of cards appear, whatever you want. And then basically, basically, once you have a real deck of cards in your hand, you have them announce what card it was that they turned reverse into the deck. And they say the three of clubs. And then you go through the deck and it's all the cards are face down except for one. And one card is face up and it's the card they just said out loud. Mm-hmm. Very powerful trick. Almost every person I've ever seen do the invisible deck with like a, you know, a 99% rate, I'll do this. They give someone invisible. I'm going to, sir, sir, I'm going to give you this invisible deck of cards. Would you hold that? Yeah, take those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, like give those cards a shuffle. Oh, 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 sir, you got to take them out of the box first. <laughs> oh, got him. Oh, man. Oh, you dumb idiot. Look at this dumb idiot. Oh, my God. Is this who is this who is this with you? Is this is this your wife? Oh my god, you married an idiot because <laughs> she didn't take the cards out of the box first. You married a fucking idiot, man. <laughs> and that's the the joke is just that one line, but that's how the joke feels. Here's my problem with that joke, uh, uh, as related to what I was saying before, that if look if I do this, like here, can you take this deck of cards? Yeah, like that's a deck of cards. Like right. if you say like I'm ha- handing you an invisible deck. Of cards, you could. There's no implication that it's in the box. Oh, like, you are preaching to the choir. I just my handed friend. John an actual deck of cards without the box, right. and it, you could still call it a deck of cards. Yeah. So, my thing I said before about like the first thing needs to be true, like that's my problem with that. But it's now it's kind of funny to me. It's my problem is then I start to laugh at how dumb the joke is. Right. So that's that absolutely, boy. Nothing nothing takes me out of performance quicker than that joke because it's so cheap and easy and I take them out of the box first and then my other reaction is like well i was just tapping the box on my hand <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was- please next time we do a show i'm gonna make sure they give you an invisible deck of cards and you can say that yeah but that's one of them and i absolutely detest another one i hate is uh that's very popular is um for like a cups and balls routine mm-hmm. you have two cups or two balls mm-hmm. now watch this all i have to do is wave my hand over the cups and the two balls change places. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. And then it's just the two balls there. Well, recently I watched a clip of uh, someone that I think would be considered very uh, well-respected in the magic community who did the like the card jumps to this hand, uh, but before you can look, it jumps back. Right. Which is a similar one. It, to it, that. Which is all was going to be next on my list. Which I'll be. Which I'll. To be fair, is a joke that I made when I took my class. <laughs> Because that was built into one of the things they taught us. It was one of the phases of something that I got taught. Right. And that, was that joke built into the the trick? Yes. Wow. It was the first part of the trick. Right. So. Uh, that's one. Another one is um, it's very similar. To, yeah. That was going to be next is, is you know, or with two cups and two balls. Like, now this ball is going to jump over to that cup. Now the harder part, making it go back and then the two. Uh-huh. Uh, that one is... is Kills me. One of the really big ones is um, the straitjacket escape. The the joke about the straight. So anytime someone does a straitjacket escape, which I've already kind of eh about because I don't think the straitjacket escape is really a magic trick. It's just kind of someone yeah. escaping from a straitjacket. My problem with this, th- there's a joke that so many people do, and it's basically you spend all you know you need someone to help. It's always a male magician. They always uh, needed the straitjacket put on and they all these buckles they always bring up the prettiest girl with the you know the uh-huh. most cleavage showing yeah. right and it, which is already it's like fucking you know great we're, this is already gross that right. you've that you've done this and then there's a moment where one of the straps has to go from your front say, is this under your legs related? 
right? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, now just insert the next three minutes of any kind of joke you can think of. Is yeah. it, oh, you know, oh, you got to reach under. It's basically just, they're basically just harassing this woman on stage now. Yeah. And it's just every straight jacket escape, almost exclusively, with a couple of, except Andrew Golden Hirsch is a good exception. He has a wonderful straight jacket escape that is not inappropriate mm-hmm. and actually has some very strong magic in it. It's incredible. It's really one of the only ones I can think of. Well, okay. I will say, to be fair, that if they're in a straight jacket, they had mental health issues, so maybe don't be so hard on God, them. That's a good point. Yeah. That was actually pretty They just happened to, to be mention. doing a magic act. Right. Uh, I actually think the iconic image of a straight jacket is not even as relevant as it was 20 years ago. Sure. I- I'm not saying it was relevant back then, but you would more often see, like, on a sitcom or something, a character in a straight... Like, it was just a thing. It would be like... You're definitely too young to remember this, but quicksand used to be a huge thing in TV and movies. Oh, right. The concept of quicksand. Yeah, yeah. The concept of a John like, Mulaney joke about that. Oh, really? Like going out into the woods and like dying in quicksand was yeah. a thing that I had oh, a fear I've, I've definitely seen that. John, that's almost exactly the John Mulaney. The joke is yeah. that like growing up, I thought quicksand would be a much bigger deal than it turned out to be. Well, it's like just that weird plus how... getting an anvil dropped on your head was kind of the two biggest things that I was thinking of. Yeah, but it's like, something along those But lines. it's not linked to being a kid. It's like culturally... Like, on Love Boat, they'd get on an island, they'd end up in quicksand. On the A-Team, they would end up in quicksand. And it was just a thing, like... Yeah, yeah the only all... reference I can think of right now that I'm aware of is Blazing Saddles. They fall into quicksand yeah. at the beginning of that movie. And Straight Jacket, similarly. Like, it's just not as... And I wonder if it's also because, I think in our culture now, we don't have as much stuff about, like, the loony bin. It's just right. not a thing anymore. You know, because there's a little bit more awareness of, like, mental health in general. Sure. So, I think there's less, like... Uh, anyway... We should also say this is a good time to bring that groin joke back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The really good time to, to you really zig, make it zig when everyone else is zag. Yeah. But it's like just insert five minutes of Yeah, you know, they talk about oh how misshapen their dick is now, or their voice cracks, or you know, oh look, you can see the outline. You know, it's just Oof. Yeah, I know. I know. I I just man. It's, I just hate it. I just absolutely hate uh, it. I mean, and that's why, you know, I really just don't care for the straight jacket escape for many of the reasons I mentioned. But the moment a male magician brings out a straight jacket, I'd be able, I'd, I could bet you 50 bucks are going to do, it's going to be 30% the dick joke on the way in and the way out of the, the jacket. And it's just so tedious and disgusting. Mm. Uh, we recently saw an act uh, at the castle that had a couple questionable jokes in it. Yes, uh, we did. And uh, those, are, those are racial. Yeah. Those oh no, are... no, this is different. Oh, okay. The uh, the one that's like, um, you know, right? Yeah. That's oh yes, yeah. yeah. Like uh, what was it? It was like, I'll put this card between your two hands. Now don't let me get in there. You're gonna, you'll know if I'm in there. <laughs> right. Um, and I spoke to my friend who is uh, tangentially connected to that magician, and I said, hey, by the way, there's just a couple jokes that I think maybe, just in this day and age, shouldn't right. be there anymore. Uh, and what did they say? He said, "Oh, did he put them back in?" <laughs> Apparently, he has mentioned them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I understand. Actually, I will say I totally understand a performer's mentality of like, in the heat of the moment, just being like, "I gotta say the like, I- I'm in front of my audience. I gotta get a laugh here." There, there can be moments where, um, you know, like uh, you just to get in the moment you just perform something because you're just like oh I, I just had to get a lot like right. something went wrong i had to cover it for i just went to my old routine and did that potentially yeah but i think yeah jokes jokes like that are just so 
uh, easy and they're so cheap and they're so, you know, and that's, I think when we get into my issues with magic and, and comedy specifically is that you have these people that can, you know, are maybe not great performers that don't spend time thinking about the way they want their magic to be perceived, the way they, the way they want it to be performed. And then they buy a trick and then do classic stock lines with it. Yeah. Um, there's, and for every prop you can imagine, with cups and balls, with coins, with, you know, everything has their own little subset of, of, of stock jokes. And people think it's okay just to recycle those. Yeah. And the reason why they think it's okay is because those jokes, when you hear them for the first time, get a small, cheap laugh. And they're like a, like a decent laugh, you know? Yeah. They get a chuckle and people go, oh. And then, you, and then you just feel that you're getting laughter and you forget that you had no part in, you know, creating the magic or that joke. I wonder if there's times where uh, ma- magicians actually should be more okay with just like there being nothing in a moment. Oh, absolutely. Instead of a laugh. Like, right. Just, but, that's such, but nothing is such a scary moment. Yeah. You know? But I think it's okay. Oh, it's, I, it's not as okay for comedians. Right. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, I've said, I definitely said this to you, but if you, if you know, you should not, you do not deserve a laugh for a joke that you did not write. Period. Ooh. I mean, with exceptions of like jokes that were written for you or, or things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, because again, I'm, you know, how many times have you seen a good magician that you that is technically very good has strong magic that didn't do do that well on a show because they're not that entertaining and the audience is really you know I've there are a lot of and, and this is a tough thing for magicians to identify I think because I've definitely brought magi- uh, magicians not excuse me non magician friends to see magicians I really respect uh-huh. who I'm mean, like this this person's incredible oh, right and you had to explain why they were great. right and then when they walked out they went yeah it was okay it's kind of boring. Yeah, you know, I just didn't have a. It wasn't that entertaining. Yeah. The magic was fine, and I'm marveling over how incredible this side of hand work is, or these original right. ideas. And all I know is that my spectators came out of that show, my friends came out of that show, just not having a very good time. Yeah, and so I think it's so easy to get lured into. Uh, oh well, this, a van, a van. Some, someone did, <laughs> what a van. <laughs> oh god! But it's so easy to get lured into like the the idea of like, wow, someone's done the w- hard work for me. Look at this; these jokes already exist, and those jokes uh, work right. And and then what happens is you get these people that are not great performers doing those, and it's just I really don't want to sound like an asshole. It's just it's holding all of us back. Yeah. Uh, because just so just please don't do jokes that you didn't write. I will say something that stuck with me from a, uh, and again, don't listen to other podcasts, but uh, you're friends with Simon Cornell. Is that right? Uh, I've, 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 I've met him. Met yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're friends. Uh, something that he said that actually really stuck with me, which was like that if, uh, you know, if, if you're a great technical magician, but not a great performer, you're a bad magician. Uh, right. And, and also he has a lot of similar ideas to that. We were talking about something the other day. Yeah. Um, that I'll bring up as we're talking. He about said that him. in Go a ahead. podcast and it really stuck with me because he also used it as a lens on himself. Cause he was saying like, if I do a fringe and I didn't get people to come see it cause I wasn't a good promoter, then I'm also a bad magician. Right. Like, which I thought was a very rigorous way to look at your own. Like he career. definitely looks at that in, in a, in a big, big, big way. Uh, something he actually said to me this past weekend, um, when I was, not to brag, but I'm, I'm kind of friends with Simon Cornell. Yeah. Not to brag, but... Uh, this weekend, he was like, I, I can't give you a ride home. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but so something he had said to me was, he was uh, I, I'm not going to say exactly what the trick is, because this does sound pretty impressive, and I don't want to spoil this trick, but he's talking about a friend of his who's sort of newish to magic, kind of like you, has a sort of established career elsewhere, mm-hmm. but is really smart and really likes magic, and... 
Um, I'll make up a fake trick. But it was basically, imagine a signed card appears in a light bulb or something. Um, you know, in like a sealed light bulb or something along those lines. Or like mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a sealed box. Something where where the card is very impossibly inside the Inside of a watch? Oh. <laughs> Just spend um, $400 and you can do that. Right, right. <laughs> trick's called Watch Out. Uh, <laughs> but... Simon said something very, and I've been thinking about it all week, actually, where he said the problem this person was having making this trick is they're spending way too much time getting into this very, 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 very intricate technology about how to actually get the card inside, you know, in this case, I'll just say like a light bulb, like how to actually make sure that card really does appear, how to fit the card inside. Mm-hmm. And, he goes, and he's going through, uh, he said he was going through all of these different methods. But what he, uh, he said he was thinking about it in the wrong way. And the quote that stuck with me was, he, wasn't, he was thinking about how to actually do that and not how to make the audience feel like that's what they saw, hmm. which was very interesting. And I, so I even had to like press him. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, he's spending too much time thinking about how to actually get a card inside of a light bulb. Right. What he should be thinking about is how to make an audience feel as if they saw a card appear inside of a light bulb. Mm-hmm. That was a very interesting thing that I, because I, I fall prey to that a lot. And I, I always try to come up with anyone who knows me very well and knows the kind of magic I do knows that I like. Ex- you exclusively pictures and light bulbs. Right. I have a whole card and light bulb act. Like fourth time, like one more time. I just four light bulbs on a table. You get too act. fussy about the actual like. Yeah, I really want it to be. I I I kind of like you said. I, I how can I actually do that? Um, I'll I'll give a routine for my my own um act uh, that I haven't done in a while. Uh, I, actually, I haven't done it at the castle since we've known each other. So you've never seen me oh. do it live, but I've certainly sent you videos of it. It's one of my signature quote routines because it's kind of it's it's an original routine that i've done for a long time i've changed it many many over the many years and i i have a lot of fun doing it and the idea is there's two decks of cards on the table so open one that's red and a sealed one that's blue and i have you name a four of a kind maybe say the sixes and i give you a blue deck of cards to hold on to that's sealed i make the four sixes appear from the red deck red deck vanishes and you open up the blue deck the four sixes are missing from the blue deck of cards Mm -hmm. and then I feel like the, I did see this at the castle last year, earlier in the year. Oh, you know, I, I might have done it yeah. back then. That's right. And then at the, at the end of the routine, those sixes that appear from that red deck have changed blue to now fit the blue deck that they were missing. Um, I still really like the routine. I think there's something very interesting about, like, two items yeah. that, like, only then turn into one item, but it kind of makes sense. It would be cool if the last item was a light bulb, but right. keep going. Uh, yeah, it's missing light bulbs is what I was going to say. But... I I've I mean over I came up with a method years ago and a lot of people have kind of been like there's probably a simpler way to do this but I've I've gone out of my way to make sure that is as that method is as authentic as possible right so I'm not palming cards out when they you know open the cards those sixes are really missing that they can really name any thirteen I'm not forcing them a value right so um, whereas Simon I guess would say that you should just spend more time make thinking theatrically how first, to make them first feel first he would say get out of my car I'm not giving you right home right second. Maybe make it look more... For the record, I gave him a ride this past weekend. <laughs> Thank you very much. I picked him up. Well, so... Uh, because I was also there, I think, when you changed when you changed the method at the beginning of this last set. Um, the For the clap and cheer thing? Yes. Okay. And my question is, for this blue and red thing, did it make a difference in terms of what the audience... Would it make a difference in terms of what the audience sees? It depends. I I really wanted to feel clean. I didn't want it to feel... I don't want to force a card and have that extra stress. I would rather... And so this trick um, has a very, very expensive and very long setup that I've always kind of... I've sort of liked how intricate it was. That was really fun for me. 
Um, but I think that's so. I'm not saying it. Simon Cornell killed my buzz, but that's. But I what think I'm that's correct. Uh, but I, that feels right if it makes you uh, have more peace of mind when you're doing it. Like the, if there's one less, if you. That being said, it did also lead to certain issues of other. It, it created other problems oh, that I had okay. to solve in a different way. I mean, your it was expensive because your method was you hired an actor to say the same right, every right. time. Yeah. And this just SAG minimum rates are like, yeah, right, even, right. even though it wasn't on screen. Right. We have a deal where he, I, I pay him, but then he also lets me watch his SAG screeners. <laughs> yes. So I did just get to watch Black Clansman, which is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, I just got uh, Ozark Season 2. Right. Ozark Season 2. Dear, to you. dear Netflix and Hulu, don't send me discs. I have Netflix and Hulu. I don't need discs. And also, I don't need season two of your show. Season one was nominated last year. You've got to stay on top of Ozark. But like... If you're not on that Ozark train, it's too late, my friend. I, that means I would have had to had my Ozark season one disc around. SAG isn't going to wait for you, yeah. all right? They're a, they're a moving train. Um, so yeah, the... Uh, how do we get on this? I don't remember what we were talking about. On Ozark? No. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask you... Uh, because I we were talking about oil and water recently, yeah, and I mentioned like, oh, there's a you know, the thing I learned it from was the Anthony Owen Secrets book, right? And uh, they he talks about like the red ink is printed with oil and right. the black ink. In that book, I saw it the other day. In the book, he says, "I think this is mine." Like, I think I'm the first one to say this. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's. And that book only came out like a lo- that, that. Here's what I'll say. His routine, I think, came out in the '90s. I from I've learned oil and water that did not have that pattern, uh-huh. um, and that's exactly what I, I've I've stopped doing because I realized how kind of corny and nonsensical that was. Yes, but I used to do that same thing where I, the joke was the the red cards are printed with re, you know oil. oil based ink and the black cards are printed with water based ink, so they have these different things in them. Um, I stopped doing it. I'm not saying like no 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 I I came up with it. What I am saying though is that is not a creative explanation of how those cards work because. Everybody who spends 10 seconds thinking about that trick, that's probably going to be one of their first drafts. Oh, interesting. Um, so when I was talking about level one creativity, when I went to FISM last year, absolutely one of the most incredible experiences in my lifetime, just getting to go watch the performances at FISM. Mm-hmm. And there was some, what stood out to me was that type of creativity where I would see a lot of people trying to do something more than just doing the trick, trying to add some sort of element to it that was interesting, but they all did the exact same thing, which made me challenge how creative that actually was. Oh, you mean they all tried to zig and they zigged in the same way? They all said, I'm going to zig, but then everyone's zigging. And so then there's one guy who zagged and he stood out above the rest. Specifically, I'm talking about the mentalism category, which is a very tough category at FISM. Um, It it, it traditionally, not a lot of people do it, and it it doesn't, uh, rarely produces like a first place winner. Huh. Um, I'd say, I think when the clairvoyants, Tommy and Emily from America's Got Talent, the illusionists, they won first prize, rightfully mm. so, in 2015, I believe. I think that was one of the first times, at least in a very long time, that they'd given a first prize to mentalism. Mm. They gave one this year as well. They gave a first, uh, second and third prize, actually. But what I saw was I saw maybe a 10 or 11 different mentalists in the mentalism category all do routines that were one of two things. And I saw this each four or five times of the 15, like 10 or 11 um, contestants. You had one person who would predict everything that spectators did. Mm-hmm. And then their whole thing was, do we really have free will or is it all predetermined? And four or five of those people had that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other four, it would be, they would have two spectators making the same choice. Like they would both pick the same car, both do this. And it was, you know, talking about how connected are we really? And they would bring a married couple up on stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
And in the moment, you watch it and you go, oh, that's kind of interesting. But then when you see that six other people have done that, that exact yeah. same thing, that to me is what I call level one creativity. You try to be creative. You try to do something different. But it's what everybody who tr took one crack at it got. Yeah. Um, and I, I realize how much of an asshole I'm sounding talking about this. No, but, no, no. I'm but, about to show you what I think is probably a level one creative uh, uh, idea. As you <laughs> set that up. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, say, so for that exact reason, the guy that stood out the most and ended up winning first place in that category was someone who had a really unique concept. And it was very funny. His name was Javier Botia from Spain. And he comes out in this very flashy yellow jacket. And, you know, there's like this flamenco guitar playing. And da -da 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 -da. I mean, he like strikes a big pose. And there's a recording. And, goes, Olé! and it's already very silly. And he comes out and he goes, he points at someone in the audience. He goes, you, think of any color. Any color you want. In fact, you too. Think of a color. In fact, everybody in the room. Think of a color. Everybody here. You think of a color. You think of a color. You think of a color. I've made a prediction. Ready? And he reaches into his coat. And then he brings up and he throws into the air like a hundred color swatches. <laughs> and then he goes, I got that one. 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 And yeah. it was so funny. And it was so different from what everyone else had done. And then what was very creative was his entire act was then built off of those massive color swatches on the floor. Oh, cool. And then people, and then he made these predictions. Um, but he, it was really different. And it was very interesting. And uh -huh. it was very entertaining. And so that to me was very creative because that joke has stuck with me since July. It was so funny and it was so yeah. different from what I had been seeing in that category. And then at the end, he was like, but is there really free will? <laughs> Still right. in it. But yeah. at the end, he had this banana that he folded in half. And like, that was pretty good. Quantum uncertainty <laughs> right. makes us all whatever. Right. So uh, I learned the oil and water from the Anthony Owen thing, yeah. which is a very fun version of That's it. That's how Anthony Owen has a great oil and water. That's a um, very, very good method. Uh, and um, also because it appeals to my... My the things I like about magic, which are arts and crafts, as right. opposed to uh, like true technical skill. Right. Uh, and then I, I had talked to you about this at one point. I talked to my husband Eric about like I don't like this oil based, water based thing about that you were talking around it. Oh, I remember this. You told me about this. And joke. I was like, do you have this? Are you ready to do it? Well, no, I'm not ready to do it. But okay. I was like, I would love it if I could do like what are some couples that like try to get together and don't. Yeah, as I recall, this is kind of offensive. <laughs> uh, well, that's not what it. But so my first thought was like. Um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton because right, they got which, married and divorced a bunch of times. Yeah, which uh, which I thought would be funny. very funny, but not not a, a, a current enough reference to, to play in front of a. a so naturally, the audience. next couple I thought about was Chris Brown and Rihanna. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and actually, uh, uh, I don't know if it was me just, or Eric. just for the listeners out there. I do not endorse. Uh, I oh, do I, not endorse. Yeah, this. I'll stand by this. Uh, also, because I'm not actually doing that. Right. Uh, but I did think it would be. I, I did think that would be a little extreme for me to do a Chris Brown and Rihanna, um, oil and water. Uh, right. Although I did think that in and this, I know this is not appropriate, but instead of having black and red cards, they would be black and blue cards. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! But I mean, I'm not. Why doing am I in it. the same room with you? So then I asked you, like, what's a famous couple that like uh, I could do it with, and that's why I had these made. Oh my god, you want mine. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, these look incredible. Uh, any listeners out there, uh, what I'm looking at are four cards um, with pictures of Ross and Rachel on them from Friends. <laughs> yes. Look, see, my nice reference made it in. Yeah. No one's going to get offended by that. And they say Friends on the back. Uh, those, they, yeah, those are, these are wow, not, these are incredible. These are can we not set up. Can we, uh, can we post these on Instagram? Yeah, can I sure. take a photo of these? Yeah. Uh, go on to um, John Accardo Magic at John Accardo Magic. We should probably make an Instagram for this podcast. Yeah, we that'll, should. That'll, I've been thinking about that. Um, for the record, I made these at makeplayingcards.com. Wow, they look fantastic. 
affiliation with them. They look fantastic. I'm going to show you an oil and water with these after yeah, cool. we're done here. Yeah. Um, I have more of them too, but cool. um, there's an oil and water. I realize you would probably like, uh, the, so here's this interesting thing. It's like, I don't, I can come up with a script to do his oil and water with this as a script. And something about them being on a break. Yeah. Just like, basically then they go on break. Yeah. And the funny Long thing is I think for, uh, for me to perform it, I have to kind of write it from the perspective of the fact that I actually don't like friends that much. <laughs> Oh boy! Because that, or I, I didn't to, think we could get worse than the Chris Brown Rihanna. Or thing, I mean, that that's in this day and age, it's probably more offensive to say that I don't like Friends. Um, no, like I probably, or I have to watch enough Friends because I think if you were to do this, I think it would require a lot of genuine Friends references, right? Because I Which, think you I mean could, are not that hard to find. Yeah, just the way I would do it in anything I talk about, the references would be esoteric to the point of like. I regularly make references in improv shows that only one person in the audience laughs right. at. <laughs> right. Uh, and the rest of the audience is just befuddled. As I've seen you get, like, angry reactions for doing that. Oh. I remember making, you jo- making a joke about, like, you, you talked about how complicated it is to use an iPhone, and you just went, or just buy an Android. And you just got, like, an angry silence from the audience. <laughs> and even on stage went, oh, I did not think that was going to be as, like, <laughs> divisive of a topic as it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, I made those. These are fantastic. Um, it's got the Friends logo on the back and it's uh, got the six of them holding umbrellas. Just so you guys out there know, MakePlainCards.com, uh, who's not a sponsor. Sponsor of this. Oh. I made okay. 18 of these because I knew I was going to screw some up because I have to do some arts and crafts with them. Um, cost $9. Wow. So, and they, they and look And these great. look incredible. Yeah. Uh, I would probably get a different finish on them. They're a little too smooth. Uh, for the arts and crafts that have, they're a tiny bit too smooth for the arts and crafts that I have to do. Oh, sure, but it'll be fun. I don't know. That it, I'm also totally open to the idea of like I made the site, and if there's a magician out there who just fucking loves friends, right? And you'd rather do this than me, send us a message and be like, you can do it. I don't care. Like, it, I I think I have a huge luxury when we talk about magic because it will. It's not my career, mm-hmm. so I'm a lot less precious about like having ownership over any of these things and also i I have the luxury of like i don't care if i ever make any money doing this stuff or you know what i mean so that's i i recognize that a lot of my opinions about this kind of stuff is kind of privileged in that way that it's like not my job um and also like if i say something bad about if someone takes something the wrong way like they're not a person that's going to hire me so good point uh although they might be at my castle audition that is true. So, oh, also update uh, if you listen to last week's episode that Reddit user who you commented on he who, got in th- uh, that person got in yes he did um, so congratulations he, he got in um, Reddit user uh, I don't think they'll have ever heard of it because I went into the Reddit subreddit the magic subreddit on Reddit posted about our podcast and my post was instantly deleted for being self promotion <laughs> oh really can you not self promote I don't know what the deal is but I was kind of like I was actually gonna text you to put it on Reddit <clears throat> but no, I, I forgot did. to. I got a message saying it was deleted and it might be because I don't contribute enough to the community or something. Oh, boy. But I was also like, this is a perfect podcast for the people because this is the kind right. of... Now they'll never know. I'm sorry I read it. Yeah. The only thing I would say that's a big difference between my experience talking about magic with you and stuff I read on, on Reddit is the people on Reddit in magic and card magic are so much more concerned with passes than, <laughs> than any real life magician that I've ever talked to. Like, like the past, like the, the, the side of putting, up, move putting the up videos of their version of the past guys, is this invisible enough or whatever? Like, and 
it, it's really that's an interesting like dichotomy to me that I'm like I feel like every real life magician that I've come into contact with is basically of the opinion of like a pass is a utility move that is never meant to be like something while somebody's burning your hands that you can get away right. with. Right, which for those reasons kind of make it somewhat impractical to do in most settings, Yeah, especially because it's quite an angle-sensitive move, and right. so it's really hard to cover. It's great for, we've talked about this many times, passes is very applicable for sort of a one-on-one, yeah. where I can, especially when I can kind of control your attention, yes. and get you to sort of look up. Uh, it's great for moments like that, but I would say generally it's not like, the most of practical moves for I really like a show. can't see it like in a parlor act. Like, because of the, or, I mean, yes, maybe, but like anything where your hands, uh, they, they, they really seem that invisible to me. Um, right. And I feel like a lot of like, especially in card magic uh, subreddit on Reddit, there's a lot of like, dude, guys, what do you think of this pass? And it's like, it's still just, it's, you're still doing something to the cards. Sure. That being said, I also don't, I mean, there's no problem with like, you know, geeking out over coming up with the perfect way to do a certain oh, move. Yeah. That's... I would just say that, like, um, from my experience, like, six out of ten posts are about, like, a pass, a as pass. opposed to other moves that I've also heard people talk well, about. Well, uh, good luck, Reddit. I hope you find the perfect... <laughs> I hope you achieve it. <laughs> Maybe they will. I mean, they'll never know about this podcast, because right. we can't get the self-promotional post up there. All right. Um, so... Uh, Hashtag left the setup on Reddit. Hey, by the way, let's plug something you're doing next week. Uh, Should we plug people that are to come see the thing? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, any of you out there in the L.A. area have probably heard of Magic Bar. It's an incredibly cool uh, magic show on Mondays and Tuesdays in Encino in the back of Woodley proper. Um, and I've done that many times, uh, uh, owned and run by Ben Schrader, who's a magician himself in his own rights. Um, and he is doing a show. He's doing Ragtime at the Pasadena Playhouse. So go check that out. He's playing Houdini. Yeah, you know what? Go see that. Don't go see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, all right, we'll see you next week. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he usually he hosts a magician who does like a 45-minute show behind this bar. And uh, he's got, you know, um, like uh, Robert Ramirez and Nick Paul. Mike Machado has done it. Steve Valentine. John Ricardo. I've done it many times. Um, and Magic. What, no, Mad Tad. Mad Tad, just uh, this past week. Uh, Kayla Drescher, um, Jonathan Levitt. Anyway, so it's an incredible show. Uh, and Ben Schrader, usually, he bartends it. They have a little pop-up in the back. The way he has these specialty cocktails he designs. And he hosts the magician. He kind of introduces them, talks to people, sort of sets up the evening. And because his of his show, I'll be filling in for him, hosting Magic Bar, um, on Tuesdays for a little while. So I'll be there next Tuesday with uh, Harrison Lampert, and that's going to be a good one because he's so goddamn funny. And then uh, he specific, uh, Ben specifically booked people that he was very comfortable with and had done it many, many, many times. For the Tuesdays, he can't be there because of ragtime. So I'll be doing it the 12th, 19th, and 26th of February in order with Robert Ramirez, Kayla Drescher, and Jonathan Levitt. Oh. And those three, I mean, that's just about the best goddamn lineup you could have. Mike can uh, see all three of those. Yeah. Um, those are all going to be incredible also, shows. delightful popcorn. Oh, my God. The popcorn's so good. Yeah, it's Genuinely. incredible. Uh, we should also go see Ragtime. Yeah, I'd love to. I love Ragtime. That's one of Eric's favorite uh, musicals. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a great, great show. So, yeah, I believe tickets are almost gone. Um, this ticket sales have been incredible uh, for February, which is great. Um, so, yeah, come on Mondays and Tuesdays. I'll be there on those uh, Tuesdays, the 22nd of January. In the 12th, 19th, 26th. Of yeah, I would also say to buy your tickets because it's a it's a small venue. It's a very small venue. Um, it only has about 16 eight to 18 seats. Yeah. Um, 
but it's really cool. It's very intimate. It's a lot of fun, uh, and there's some great freaking magic in there. And yeah, I'll be there uh, making you some cocktails. I think it's a great, um, and you do magic in it as well. Uh, I might, you might, like I said, if you know, typically in my experience, the magician performing will like throw to someone. Robert, it depends on who it is. I'm friends with, I don't know Levitt that well. I don't know Harrison that well, but I'm pretty good friends with both Robert and Kayla. I've done it. Um, it used to be the format used to be two magicians doing a 45 minute show and they would go back and forth. And I've done that with Kayla several times. Mm -hmm. Um, Robert and I have done shows together. And so we have like the moment he found out I was doing it, we both at the same time went, "Oh, we have to do this bit. We have a we have a two person uh-huh. bit." So I'll you know where he's the voice of a, a bandana. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, no, no, you don't get it though. She says bandana, but I bring out a banana, and oh god, it's Wait, instant I, comedy. I do want to pitch this to you that because when I, when I went to see it, I was like, this bar is set up in such a way that somebody could be under the bar for a long time. I don't think they could, but I because that just bar, in the beginning, you start. Uh, he starts no no you have to start because you're the host right and that is the crux of our bit he does the voiceover of the bandana trick and then gradually just like stands up (laughs) from behind the bar (laughs) with a microphone (laughs) and then when he leaves he does like like the elevator thing or the escalator yeah there's a lot of elevator escalator bits that you could be doing at that bar a lot of untapped elevator slash escalator bits but uh, Robert and I are are very very close friends and so I'm very excited to get to do this with him for the first time Um, so come see that if there are tickets available and if you want to come on a Monday when I'm not there um, it's pretty fucked up pretty fucked up thing to do (laughs) (laughs) but no uh, uh, even if whenever you come come to Magic Bar Magic Bar is an incredible incredible place and Um, support so yeah I guess we should we'll start an email and an Instagram maybe for this Uh, but if you could go to iTunes and give us a rating yeah, oh yeah, um, do that. We are on iTunes now. It took yeah. that took a that took a while. It took a it took like a hot minute. Four days for four this days. podcast to get approved. Um, but uh, and I'm in uh, I'm in Magic to do to Magic to do tonight. tonight but you but won't be able to see it because it won't be posted by then. But okay. I'll be in Bay Once Candy tomorrow, Friday. Friday the I think nineteenth. Eighteenth. Yes. Today Friday. is the 17th. today's Thursday the seventeenth. Tomorrow's the eighteenth. Um, and then I think that's all I have this week. I don't have a ton of shows. Even last week I had five shows in a row. In fact, uh, yeah, definitely go see Baby Wants Candy and Magic to do incredible shows. Yeah. In fact, when I posted this link on the, uh, oh, uh on Mag- the AMA, the AMA Facebook page, the first comment was someone, yeah. a magician going, uh, that guy's so funny. And he was, he was saying that you were one of the funniest guys. So congratulations. Very nice. Yeah. Um, uh, and you are. Oh, so, uh, yeah, go see the shows and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.